Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. And you should recognize me. Well, hello everybody and welcome to a special Trading Spaces edition of the Players to be Named Later podcast. I'm Ed, that's a sick Dan. Dan says hi. Trust me on that. I'm going to save his voice for right now. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to cover the NFL and a few other trading deadline. And it was a busy one as we had trades galore, including some big names. It started with McCole Hardman a few weeks ago, going from the Chiefs to the Jets for a sixth round pick. Kansas City needed wide receiver help. Hardman wasn't being used with the Jets. Dan, in a word, a seventh round pick also went to Kansas City. Was this a good trade for either side? It's it's a it's a fine trade for Casey. I mean, they brought somebody in that knows the offense. They they're trying to find a weapon, but they clearly didn't bring him back previously for a reason. So let's see how it plays out. And he did not get used very well in his first game back with the Chiefs. In a shocking move and something that kind of contradicts what Matt what Andrew Berry has said, where they want to keep his much talent on this roster as possible. Donovan Peoples-Jones goes to the Lions from the Browns for a sixth-round pick. Granted, DPJ was only targeted 18 times and is a pending free agent this year who may or may not be in Cleveland's long-term plans, but still, this is a head-scratcher. This is definitely a head-scratcher for me. I also wonder if this was something to where, like, they moved DPJ because he was starting to become unhappy with his target Mm -hmm. share and everything. So rather than it... Becoming another Odell situation in Cleveland, they just kind of moved him along and said thank you for your time, and uh, they definitely weren't going to get a compensatory pick for him. So getting something is better than getting nothing, I guess. But when you need weapons on the outside, um, you just took away your deep, your your best deep threat, in my opinion. Well, let's talk about getting something for nothing, and that's what the Commanders did twice, giving and I'm going to say giving because it seems like they could have gotten more for Chase Young. But Chase Young goes to San Francisco for a third-round pick. Young had his fifth-year option declined. He was likely leaving Washington, so at least you got something for him. And they so this did... is this is where – I'm sorry to cut you off, but sure. this makes no sense. Chase Young signs with another team. They get a third-round compensatory pick anyway, so I don't understand this trade at all. Uh, unless the well, even if the Niners win the Super Bowl and that third round pick is 32nd, the comp- the compensatory pick begins at 33rd at 33. So I guess draft position. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I mean, realistically, though, like we don't think they make the playoffs, but Washington's still technically in the playoff. Hunt. If I'm Ron Rivera, how do I motivate my guys after trading after after today? Pick up the slack. Uh, His defensive line mate, Montez Sweat, goes to Chicago for a second, which is, I don't understand what Chicago is doing here. I guess they're going to try to extend him, given the fact they have $110 million in cap space. That's the most in the the NFL going next year. Uh, He was another pending UFA, probably wasn't going to be in the mix in Washington. Um, Just. I guess the Bears are going to try to live on their defense and try to figure out the offense later. So here's the thing with that, too. I've read somewhere, and I wish I would have remembered to save it. Apparently, this draft pick can go even higher. Um, like, picture this. Like, the Bears gave up more for 
Montez Sweat than what San Francisco did with for Chase Young. And Montez Sweat is a hell of a player, but if I need one of those players on my team, I am definitely taking Chase Young over Montez Sweat. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, Washington got something, I guess, for nothing. And Chicago's going to try to build, I, I guess. Um, this was a head-scratcher. The Minnesota Vikings traded away Ezra Cleveland, a standout guard, a pending UFA to the Jacksonville Jaguars who needed help to keep Trevor Lawrence alive for a sixth round pick, which they basically traded then to Arizona to get Josh Dobbs to replace the injured Kirk Cousins. So can we call this a three-team deal? I don't know if it was the same pick that got moved back and forth, but you have a good young offensive lineman. Why are you getting rid of him, especially for a sixth? Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, this was another head scratcher to me. I didn't quite understand the situation at all either. I don't get it. It is what it is. Uh, Rasul Douglas and a fifth round pick go to Buffalo from Green Bay for a third. Um, he didn't quite meet the success he had in Buffalo. They got him the three year, $21 million contract to, um, in Green Bay. I'm sorry, it may not have been Buffalo, but he goes back to Buffalo, who need defensive help because I'm not sure the offense is what they were. But I guess Green Bay's given up on the given up on the year, you'd think, with this, right? I mean, you, you kind of get that feeling. I mean, you look at where they are in the division, what they have left. I mean, there's probably not a chance really that they're gonna make it. There's definitely other teams out there that have a better shot at the wild card just from playing in weaker divisions. Um, and, and on top of that as well, um, you just, I don't know. I, I feel like this trade makes sense on both sides. I'm going to be completely honest. This may have been the one trade that happened that made sense on both sides. Uh, Buffalo needed the the back end help on the defense and Green Bay getting the third when you're trying to rebuild makes sense, honestly. Oh yeah. It's a high enough draft pick. They get it. They get something on, on day two, which. And you're getting some money off the books. Right. Exactly. Um, let's see the Falcons acquire Contavious Street, a defensive tackle, and a seventh-round pick from the Eagles for a sixth, basically to replace Grady Jarrett, their star uh, interior defensive lineman. I guess this is a case of the Eagles trying to shed some money for some guys coming up this offseason? I'm not sure. But the Eagles went around and got themselves a two-time Pro Bowler and Kevin Byard. From the Titans for Terrell Edmonds, a fifth and a sixth. Um, that secondary in Philadelphia, just like everything in Philadelphia, is hurting. So they get a they get a star really to 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 bolster them. And then finally, Leonard Williams, defensive tackle, goes to Seattle from the Giants, who get a second and a fifth. This is Williams' second time being dealt at the trading deadline. Last time he got a second and I believe a sixth. For him. So he's moving up in the world. Uh, he was struggling in New York. Seattle got, I mean, it, it seemed it seemed like a good deal. It seems like a good deal for both sides. I mean, I don't I don't hate it. I don't know. This was just a very lackluster trade deadline thing. Get me. Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, it definitely didn't have the star power that last year did because there were two major trades that happened last year. CMC went to San Francisco from Carolina for a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. I think San Francisco, no matter what those picks turn out to be, 
gets the best end of that deal. CMC is a generational player. Yeah, agreed? Uh, by far, yeah. Uh, and then That's also last year, the Vikings got TJ Hawkinson for a fourth and a conditional fourth for the Lions. I'm sorry. Vikings acquired TJ Hawkinson, a fourth and a conditional fourth from the Lions for a second and a third. One of those picks turned out to be Sam Laporta. So that's a deal that worked out for both sides, I would say, at least so far. Also, in 2019, Jalen Ramsey went to the Rams uh, from the Jaguars for two firsts and a fourth. I feel like that's a big deal. I feel like that's a massive deal. Like one of the biggest deals in deadline history. Um, another big deal in deadline history, Marshawn Lynch went from the Bills to the Seahawks for a fourth and a fifth round pick. I think Seattle won that trade. You think? You could say that. But perhaps the biggest deadline deal of all time, Herschel Walker went from the Cowboys to Minnesota. One trade, three teams, 18 assets. This came from Bleacher Report. I am reading it verbatim from one of their columns. Prior to the 1989 season, Jimmy Johnson replaced the legendary Tom Landry as head coach of the Cowboys. Dallas had finished 3-13 in 1988, so the rebuild was on. The Vikings hoped to follow an 11-win campaign with a trip to the Super Bowl, and they viewed Herschel Walker as the missing piece. San Diego facilitated the deal. And Minnesota sent eight draft picks, including first-rounders in 90, 91, and 92 to Dallas, and it changed the Cowboys' future. Dallas used those selections on, or packaged them in, trades for Emmett Smith, Russell Maryland, Darren Woodson, Kevin Smith, and Clayton Holmes. From 1992 to 1996, the Cowboys won five division crowns and three Super Bowls. Walker totaled 2,945 yards from scrimmage in 42 games, but the Vikings lost in the 1989 divisional round and missed the playoffs in each of the next two seasons. So the trading deadline there changed the NFL history. Um, All these trades that happened in the NFL today paled in comparison to the biggest trade that happened today. As the Philadelphia 76ers acquired Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a first-round pick in 2028 from the Clippers unprotected, two second-round picks, a 2029 first-round pick, and a 2026 first-round pick from the Thunder. It will be the least favorable of the three first-round picks Oklahoma City has in 2026. The Clippers acquired James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Philip Petrusev. And that 2029 first-round pick is a pick swap between the Clippers and the Sixers. So James Harden is now with the Clippers, with Kawhi Leonard, and who's the other guy over there? Paul George and Russell Westbrook. There you go. So congratulations, the L.A. Clippers. Thank you, Brad Williams. Excellent midget comedian, a little person comedian for this. They are now the favorites to win the NBA championship for the 2014 season. I laughed so hard at that. By the way, if you want to go see Brad Williams, a funny guy, going to see him in December, or I'm sorry, in July in Pittsburgh. Um, this trade's massive, right? I mean, yeah, this is definitely massive. This definitely shakes up the, the Western Conference for sure. Uh, the Eastern Conference kind of is, a, in my opinion, a, a two-team race, really. 
between the Bucks and Boston at this point. Right. Um, some people would argue that there's a few other teams there, but I don't necessarily believe that. The Western Conference now, though, is, is wide open, in my opinion. Uh, if all, if three of these four guys can stay healthy uh, between PG, Kawhi, Harding, and Westbrook, and they all can get along, that is a nasty, nasty, nasty starting four. Now, uh, just, that's a nasty good four. Isn't this the third time that Westbrook and Harden have been together? Yes, it is. And it hasn't worked the first two times. Uh, in defense, you could say, I mean, that's really tough to say because the reason why I'm saying this is because the first time they were together, Harden was coming off the bench as the sixth man in Oklahoma City before he became a, the star that he was when he was traded to Houston. And then Westbrook came to Houston and they had to go up against this and they had to go up against the Golden State teams that were just completely dominant with uh, with with Katie, Steph. Draymond and Clay, right? So I mean, sure. we'll see what happens now that they have the big four. I mean, listen, I think the Clippers have a legitimate shot to win this title. Uh Russ Russ can do what Russ does. And uh I think we could see Russ averaging a triple double for a decent amount <laughs> again. Clippers make it make it the title this year. And it's they 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 may make it to the finals. I don't think they take the title. I think that's Milwaukee. But how think, uh, hard does LeBron's ass burn if the Clippers are the ones to bring a new banner to the Staples Center or whatever it's called nowadays instead of LeBron and the Lakers. How chapped is his ass? I think the city of L.A. would absolutely love. I wasn't asking about the city of L.A. I was asking about LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who knows where LeBron's at? Because does Bronny come out of college this year? Does he come or does he wait another year to come out? It depends on where the Cleveland Cavaliers pick. Because you think LeBron, you think they're going to bring LeBron back a third time? I think if it's his, him and his son, and LeBron says, I want to play for Cleveland with my kid, the Cavaliers would be like, okay, we'll sell every ticket we can possibly sell and every jersey we can possibly sell, and we'll have standing room only watch parties. We'll charge five bucks to view in progressive field in 30 degree weather for people to stand out there and watch LeBron and Bronny and the good young core that the Cavs have win a title. In his last season, yeah, absolutely. The Cavs would be idiots not to sell that merchandise at least. Um, I mean, because LeBron has already said, like, it's not if, it's just a win, and he's going to play with Bronny. Like, I I think I would not be surprised with all the money that he's made and the deals that he has that I could see LeBron going to the team that drafted him and be like, I'll play for near near league men. I'll play for the league men. I don't. I think the Players Association may have something to say about that. But let's move along. Let's talk I mean, about something. Not that that's the deal he agrees to. Yeah, they can. Player Association has a lot of power. The union can say a lot of things. Um, let's let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the sports equinox that happened yesterday, October 30th, 2023. The only time in the calendar year 2023 where all five, well, all four major North American sports, but even the MLS, five Major North American sports all had games. The NFL had Monday Night Football. Major League Baseball had Game 3 of the World Series. Nine NHL hockey games, 11 NBA games, and two MLS playoff games happened on the 30th. Dan, which ones did you watch, you sports addict, you? Uh, I watched no MLS. <laughs> Obviously. 
Uh, I watched hockey. I watched the crack and play. Of course. I watched. Uh, How was that? Was big... that disappointing for you? What, them winning against Tampa? No. Ooh. Oh, yeah, they won big, didn't they? Um, I watched a bunch of hockey. I watched a little bit of basketball. Um, and I I watched a little bit of the World Series and a little bit of the football game. To be honest, it was kind of nice not sitting there watching the full Monday night football game. Uh, I needed a, a mental rest from football. Been so uh, it was a it was a pretty good day of sports, though, to be completely honest. Yeah, I uh, I fell asleep and um, yeah, had a lady friend over. It was nice. Had a lot of fun. Fell asleep. Yeah. Oh, wait, I was just dreaming. I need to get laid, Dan. It's because I'm constantly getting screwed by my football picks. It's not nice. For those I mean, of you that don't know what I'm talking about, please refer to our previous show where I explained just how screwed I got by picking my football games for the last four weeks. You can find all of that wherever you can hear my voice right now or on Anchor FM, brought to you by Spotify, where all of our Players Be Named Later podcasts are brought to you by on Spotify. And you can find our other show, which we haven't recorded in a while. That's going to change. The Caps Locks and Chair Shots podcast. Also available there as well. And see how I did that, Dan? See how I took it something depressing and spun it into an ad? You know what they call that? Professionalism. Should try it sometime. I'm good at what I do. Anyway, we're talking about trades here on this show. And we're moving into the hockey realm. We're we're covering way more hockey than what we have in the last two years. I shared something with you about a couple of trades going on in the NHL, suspected going on. Sean Monahan may be on the block in Montreal. He's having a good start. Montreal is, you know, going to suck this year. He's in a... Montreal is having a hell of a start to the season. If you check out my power rankings on the Sports Dispatch page on Facebook, you'll see how they have skyrocketed up that. See that there, Ed? That's called professionalism. That No, 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 Dan. That's called synergy. That's what that is. Uh, Jacob Verona likely out of St. Louis after apparently having an issue with um, being scratched despite being the second leading scorer for the Blues and Craig Berube saying he needs to play up to his potential. Uh, yeah, what are you saying? Uh, that one kind <clears throat> don't, don't worry about it. It's for later. Okay, fine. I'm not paying. <clears throat> but yeah, um, go ahead. Speak. That one kind of surprised me just because I feel like Verona hasn't been off to a bad start. Truthfully, I feel like your Blues haven't been as bad as their record says. I feel like they're getting good goaltending. They're getting um, amazing goaltending. And what are you gonna what are you gonna get for a guy like Verona if we're being completely honest here? Well, interesting thing coming out of that because I found another rumor. Connor Garland is probably going to be shipped out of Vancouver, who's looking for a middle six forward and a defenseman. Vancouver, Western Canadian town. Blues have some defensemen with no trade clauses, maybe willing to waive those to go to Vancouver. So maybe a deal there? Maybe? Um, Free up some cap space for the Blues? Um, I feel like that's asking for a lot from a guy that didn't already want to waive it. One, I'm not saying it's necessarily Tory Krug. It could be somebody else. One last thing. Dan, do you know how many NHL players as of right now are not under contract for next season? I don't, but I feel like this number is going to have me very intrigued. Uh, yeah, it is a massive number. And it's one, if you look at some of the names, 
if you look at some of the names, Steven Stamkos, Jakub Voracek, William Nylander, who's got six goals and six assists in eight games, um, 328 names, according to SportTrack, are players on NHL rosters that do not have a contract for next season. Some of the names on here, uh, I, I mean, granted, you have guys like Mike Hoffman, but you also have goaltenders like Peter Morazic, Ilya Samsonov, Marc-Andre Fleury, who, if he comes back, if he doesn't come back, we'll see. A um, lot, of, lot of interesting names on here. Also, one last thing before we get off the topic of the NHL, Paul Stasny retired. He was one of my favorite players going forward. Love the guy. Just, just a solid all-around player. Now, we're going to move along to something that you wanted to talk about for a while, and you have been giving me shit for back and forth. Um, John Mozellak has made some very questionable deals in the past. He's made some very, very good deals in the past. And just to break down the three deals that Dan constantly brings up that make me want to punch him in the face. In 2018, 2017, 2018, not sure when, the St. Louis Cardinals acquired Marcel Ozuna from the Miami Marlins for Sandy Alcantara, Daniel Castano, Zach Gallen, and Mag... Max Sierra. I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name. Now, Castano and Sierra, you probably don't know. Gallon and Alcantara, you definitely know because Alcantara won a Cy Young and is a two-time All-Star. Gallon was an All-Star and also started in the World Series this year. It's not a good deal. That may be one of the worst deals in history. Not sure about that because the next one's pretty awful. Adolis Garcia was purchased by the Texas Rangers from the St. Louis Cardinals. He was just outright bought. Now, this was done to make space on the 40-man roster for Quan Hung Kim in 2019. Kim, I don't believe, is with the Cardinals anymore. Uh, since going to Texas, Garcia is a two-time All-Star and the ALCS MVP this year. And got nothing for him. Yeah, that one's pretty bad, too. But at the same time... That's still not worse than the than the deal for Azuna than the Azuna deal. This one's the guy straight it for a woman beater. This one's pretty bad too. The Cardinals acquired Matthew Libertor and Edgardo Rodriguez, who I believe is a career minor leaguer, for Randy Rosarena, Jose Martinez, and a 2020 supplemental first round pick. Libertor is trying to work his way into the Cardinals rotation, where Rosarena is a rookie of the year and all star. An ALCS MVP, one of the most exciting Latin stars in Major League Baseball. That's a bad deal, too. And that was a bad deal just looking at it from the start. And this deal just keeps getting worse and worse and Um, worse. I mean, I don't know if that deal was as bad as you think. Mm. Unless I'm thinking of a different Eduardo Rodriguez, which it looks like I am. You are. You are. This guy, I don't I believe, has played am. in the minor leagues at all, or played outside of the minor leagues. But you got to remember, there are some deals that he kind of – well, one more deal to mention. Uh, he sent Luke Gregerson to San Diego for Khalil Green. Luke Gregerson was the player to be named later in a in that trade. It was Mark Orell for Khalil Green and a PTBNL, and that player wound up becoming Luke Gregerson, who was a serviceable reliever in baseball. just wanted to throw that in there because it's notable – 
name. It's a notable name. Now. Yeah, you know, it's like a player to be named later. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a good show y'all should listen to that has that name. I don't know where it is or where you can find it, but you know that information you maybe want to rewind a little bit. Anyway, you also got to remember this man requ- this man acquired Paul Goldschmidt for Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, Andrew Young, and a competitive balance round B pick. So he got an MVP player for a catcher who was released by Arizona midseason this year, a struggling. A struggling starting pitcher who's played for his fifth different team now, and a utility player who's out of baseball, and somebody who never played for uh, for Arizona. So that's a pretty good deal. And we don't have time to argue this mainly because I don't feel like it, but I think this is probably the best trade in Cardinal history. Uh, Lou Brox has something to say about that, as does Ozzie Smith and Gary Templeton, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, supplemental question. Carson Kelly, does he get a World Series ring? Uh, I don't he know. He was with the team until August 15th. Well, I mean, actually, no, he doesn't get one because they're not going to win. Well, they have a mountain to come back from. He also got Nolan Arenado, a Hall of Fame third baseman, for three minor leaguers, a utility outfielder, and a fifth starting pitcher. It's a pretty good deal. Um, he also you and I got, can argue that one because I don't think Gober's a fifth starting pitcher and also a, what they have their starting catcher or third baseman as well. Uh, Mateo Gill, who's a minor leaguer, Troy Losey or Tony Losey, who's a minor leaguer, Jake Summers, who's a minor leaguer, Austin Gomber, and Elaherius Montero. Yeah, Mon- Montero is a hell of a catcher. We'll see. Uh, he also acquired Matt Holiday for Clayton Mortensen, Shane Peterson, and Brett Wallace. So basically, the centerpiece of a World Series team for players that played a grand total of three games for Oakland. That's not a bad deal. Uh, he acquired everything he needed for 2011. Jake Westbrook, Nick Greenwood, Octavio Dotel, Edwin Jackson, Corey Patterson, Mark Zemchinski, and Raphael for call for pretty much nothing across three deals. I mean, granted, he did send Ryan Ludwig away. Trevor Miller was a shell of himself. Colby Rasmus didn't turn out to be very much. P.J. Walters wasn't uh, didn't really find success outside. He... Acquired John Lackey for Alan Craig, who was hurt. Granted, it cost us Joe Kelly, who we probably wish we would have kept. Um, he acquired Tyler O'Neill for Marco Gonzalez, which may be a trade that works out for both teams. But Tyler O'Neill's a two-time gold glover. Marco Gonzalez hasn't quite found his stride that, yet. That trade ain't going to work out with both teams if Marmol's still the manager. Well, hmm. that's a dip. I don't want to talk about that one either. Uh, he also sent an aging Jim Edmonds to San Diego and got, got us David Freeze. I don't know if you listen, know. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not going to say every. I'm not going to say everything he did was terrible, but his track record of late, along with their streak of losing in the first round of the playoffs, and just you know playing like shit this season, uh, his job needs to be put into question if they don't turn it around soon. Okay. Well, one last thing on the trades that he has made. And this was Jason Hayward and Jordan Walden from Atlanta for Shelby Miller and Tyrell Jenkins. Now, this trade did not look great, at least on the early returns. Hayward was only in St. Louis for a year and won a gold glove before booking it to Chicago and running his mouth against the Cardinals and then having one of the worst offensive seasons ever by an outfielder who claimed to be good. But we gave up Shelby Miller, who had won 25 games in the previous two seasons, 
opened his season, which I believe was 2015, at 5-1 and one and was selected to the National League All-Star team. Right? He won five of his first six starts, and then he lost 17 consecutive decisions before beating the Cardinals in the, on the final day of the season in the first game of a doubleheader 6 to nothing. His fifth win was on May 17th. His sixth win was on October 4th, where he threw eight innings of three-hit shutout baseball. There were 23 starts between wins with either no decisions or losses. He pitched 205 innings with a 3.02 ERA and 171 strikeouts. In 25 of his 33 starts, he received three runs of support or fewer. The Braves won only 67 games that season, but they to get to 67, they had to sweep the 100-win Cardinals by a combined score of 8 to nothing in the doubleheader that ended the season. That doubleheader had to be played because Chicago finished with 97 wins and could technically there was wild card implications in there and seeding and stuff. Chicago made it interesting with the games they played, but whatever, whatever. How about that for a stat line? That's got to be one of the weirdest pitching years that has ever been recorded. I mean, yeah, that he got his revenge, though. Fair enough. And then finally, let's go to – I'm just going to give you one because your voice is dying, and honestly, we've been recording for too long. But let's give you one stat that just sounds completely made up but isn't, despite the one I just read. Nolan Ryan is the only pitcher to face the last three – single-season home run leaders, Roger Maris, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds. They were cumulatively 5-28 and 28 against Ryan with no home runs. Now, just to preface that, Maris set the record in 61, McGuire in 98, and Bonds in 2001. So 40 years apart, and their common link is Nolan Ryan, which goes to show you as long as you can throw it over the plate, you're going to pitch forever. You got anything else before we put this special edition down for the count there, big guy? I think I just saw one of the worst calls so far this NBA season. They called backcourt on Kevin Durant when his mm. foot was not over the line. That's all I'm going to add. I got I got nothing left, man. My what a shock. Team. Officiating screws the team again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to bring before. No, you know what? We got other business to take care of. What you can expect from us. Going forward, you're going to get more of our NFL week-by-week coverage of the season with our updated picks. Dan is kicking my ass in this one. You're also going to be getting at the right before the Thanksgiving break, you're going to be getting a what we're thankful for in the NHL show. It'll be our November NHL show where we're going to give you what we're thankful for in the NHL, who's on the hot seat, who's likely to get traded, what puts us in shock. What puts us in awe, both meanings A-W-E and A-W-W, what we like, what we dislike, all of that and more. We're also going to give you special edition shows where we're going to play a fun game of this or that, where Dan and I pick a bunch of things and then talk about how I'm smarter than he is. Dan's also going to give you his weekly power rankings in the NHL, his weekly power rankings in the NFL. I am going to be giving you every other week who sucks in the NFL with my bottom feeders. And we're going to get you some more writing and maybe a few other things just to shock you coming up here on the Players Who Named Later Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. 
But, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And just remember, if your team is not doing so hot, it can always be the players who are named later who can make it better. See ya!